0: One of these chapters where uh, Ezekiel yes. tells this elaborate story, kind of a, it's kind of a parable, except it's relating to uh, real issues: Israel and Judah. Israel has already gone into captivity, and uh, Judah is about to go into captivity. And so he describes them as two sisters, a Ahola and a and we talked about that last time. Uh, the meaning of those. And both of them were immoral women. And uh, Ahola first, Israel, uh, lusted after the Assyrians and uh, you know were unfaithful to the Lord in that. And God caused the Assyrians, her lovers, to turn against her and to punish her. So it's an expression for the um, idea of being unfaithful to their marriage covenant with God and going after alliances with other nations that really amounted to infidelity uh, toward the Lord. And that's what we looked at last time. He deals with that pretty briefly because that's already happened. Now he's going to turn and focus on Aholabah Judah and he's going to go into a lot more detail about their sins and and, uh, unfaithfulness. So do you have anything you want to say before we start into verse 11 of chapter 23? Okay. Somebody want to read eleven to twenty-one.
1: Now her sister Aholabah saw this. Yet she was more corrupt in her lust than she, and her harlotries were more than the harlotries of her <coughs> sister. She lust she lusted after the Assyrians, governors and officials, the ones near, magnificently dressed, horsemen riding on horses, all of them desirable young men. I saw that she had defiled herself. They both took the same way. So she increased her harlotries, and she saw men portrayed on the wall, images of the Chaldeans portrayed with vermilion, girded with belts on their loins, with flowing turbans on their heads, all of them looking like officers, like the Babylonians in Chaldea, the land of their birth. When she saw them, she lusted after them and sent messages to them in Chaldea. The Babylonians came to her to the bed of love and defiled her with their harlotry. And when she had been defiled by them, she became disgusted with them. She uncovered her harlotries, and uncovered her nakedness. Then I became disgusted with her, as I had become disgusted with her sister. Yet she multiplied her harlotries, remembering the days of her youth, when she played the harlot in the land of Egypt. She lusted after their paramours, whose flesh is like the flesh of donkeys, and whose issue is like the issue of horses. Thus you longed for the lewdness of your youth, when the Egyptians handled your bosom because of the breasts of your youth.
2: Okay.
0: She's worse. <coughs> How is she worse? She's
3: more corrupt than she is more honesty.
0: Yeah. She ran around with more people than her sister Ahola had. Now, again, just think through kind of the the story and the reality. The story is of this woman that runs around with all these different guys. The reality is that Judah had this marriage covenant with God, but instead of being faithful to him, she began to look for security in her uh, treaties with all these other countries. And she'd start, you know... uh, turning to them for protection she'd give them tribute and she'd trust and rely on their armies and their strength and so forth and to God since they were supposed to be married to Him that was harlotry and so we'll we'll talk in a second about the practical applications of that but but look at the details here who did she lust after in 12 and 13? The The Assyrians, why?
2: Because they uh, they had a great
0: army. Yes, they, they they looked impressive, particularly from a military standpoint. They they were nicely dressed. They they look sharp. You know, these are good soldiers. They'll protect us. And uh, can you think of uh, some uh, kings of Judah that did flirt, so to speak, with the Assyrians? What's the one we've already looked at in Isaiah? Back in chapter 7. Sorry. I'm in the long book. What's what's the one in Isaiah 7? That's what I'm taking over. No. His father.
3: Something
0: <laughs> A.
2: No. Um,
0: Ahaz. Ahaz. thank you. Yeah, you found it somewhere. Yeah. Ahaz, remember when there was that Syrian Israelite coalition against Ahaz of Judah, and he turned the, to the Assyrians and made a treaty with them and said, hey, you attack these guys and get them off my back. Of course, what he did inadvertently was after the Assyrians got done whipping up on. Syria and Israel, they just came right on in and double-crossed Judah and and practically destroyed them too. That was not a very wise move to try to make this uh, alliance with the Assyrians. And then in 14 to 18, who does she uh, turn her attentions toward? The Babylonians. Uh, the Chaldeans, it's really the same thing. This is worse though. For two or three reasons, what, what would you say was worse about the um, unfaithfulness with the Babylonians here?
1: She, well, she saw pictures of them and
0: she sent for them. Yes. The Assyrians, what did she see?
2: She saw them. She At least she them. saw
0: them. With the Babylonians, she saw some images, I guess, of these Babylonian soldiers on the wall... And that's enough to set her off ready to ally with the Babylonians. I mean, it kind of reminds you of the just horrible situation we have in our culture where, you know, man, it's not at all uncommon that people are more interested in pictures (laughs) of somebody than they are the reality. I mean, pornographic industry and pornography on the Internet and so forth is just... Enormous! It's incredible! It's ridiculous! But it's, it, that's even a worse thing. It's a more, you know, all it took for them was just some pictures on the wall, and they were already to betray their uh, relationship with God to go after the Babylonians. Um, uh, there's something else maybe that makes this worse. What, what if if you think about someone who's. Uh, having an affair Um, you don't really you've got moral decency you you don't approve of that but um, if someone's going to have an affair would you prefer them to remain committed to at least their lover you know the the woman who it's just kind of a succession of affairs with different men is even more corrupt is even more you know lustful And that's what she's doing. I mean, it's the Assyrians. It's the Babylonians. And pretty soon after she's loved the Babylonians, what does she do with them? Yeah, she's disgusted with them. She's ready to go for the Egyptians. (laughs) You know, she can't make up her mind. She's just a very loose woman, the way God looks at her. This idea of, of the lust turning to disgust, does that remind you of anyone biblically? Yes and Kamar and Amnon. Yes, exactly. Because a lot of times when we do something degrading, we're really kind of disgusted with ourselves, but we project it on whoever we've done it with. And so it's pretty common that somebody who you know ends up you know having an immoral affair, then they're kind of disgusted by the person, and that's what she is. Pretty soon, the Babylonians they don't impress her anymore. And so in 19 to 21, who does she play the harlot with? The Egyptians. The Egyptians. Does that remind you of anything?
2: Wasn't
0: there another king that sent for the Egypt? Oh, yeah, several. For people who went
4: down to Egypt after...
0: That too. Look at verse 3. Where did they all begin? Being unfaithful to God in Egypt. You know, they'd come full circle. You know, when they thought back to Egypt... What should they have remembered? The Yeah, God's miraculous salvation for them. Instead, what did they remember?
3: they
0: had. Yeah, all the things they loved about being in an Egypt, and and these wonderful Egyptians that they can protect them now. It's like you know, it's really amazing. Um, and and they're like sort of an animal in heat. You know, that's the way he's really describing them. Um, because they just you know they just are practically crazed with the idea of turning anywhere for affection and attention and protection other than the Lord now I, I think it would be helpful for us to try to think about um, ways in which we do similar things you know this is not this is not primarily although there's some Might be a little bit of this in it, but it's not primarily sexual here. This is sexual imagery to try to show them how sickening their unfaithfulness to this alliance with God was. But how are we like that? We sometimes
3: put too much trust in our military strength and not in God.
0: Okay. Or in. President. Or in. Money. Money. Or in. Yes, or in? Sports. Okay, maybe. Or in friends. Or in maybe some sort of worldly philosophy or doctrine or whatever. And so forth and so on. When we're supposed to have this committed relationship where we turn to the Lord and rely on Him for everything, and instead we see all these other things and we turn to them and we trust in them and we don't just stick with the Lord we want to try out a little bit of this and a little bit of that and what if what if I would rely on something else and God's sickened by that you know <coughs> someone has said if you think this story he's telling is crude what do you think God thinks of your life <laughs> you know I mean when we have this covenant with God you know we're, he's, he, we're his His uh, wife, so to speak, and then we can't ever stick with him because we're trying out all these other things. You know, uh, kind of whatever the 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 fad lover of the day is. We're we're out seeing if there's anything for us in that. You know, because we just don't think God's going to satisfy us, and we do that more than we think if we'd be honest with ourselves. You know, because think about how many idols we have. How many things do we put above the Lord? You know, how little does it take for us to just sort of lose our focus on the Lord? I've told this illustration before. I don't know why it came to my head just now. But it sort of reminds me of the story Don Truex told about his four-year-old son years ago. That he uh, w- would go to the office early Sunday morning and, you know, review his lesson before he'd come back and pick up the family and take him to church. And one particular particular morning, Josh was already up before uh, he was uh, going the first time. And so, you know, he was ready to leave. And Josh said, I go with you, Daddy. And so Don explained, no, I, I'll be back for you, but I'm going now myself. And he said, no, I go with you, Daddy and so Don explained a little bit more thoroughly and, you know, kind of went through the steps with him as to what he was doing and why and all that and, and uh, he's like, no, I go with you, Daddy and about that time, Vicky called in from the kitchen and said, I've got a blueberry muffin in here for you, Josh <laughs> and he scampered off to get the blueberry muffin and Don said, have you ever thought what it feels like to lose your son to a blueberry muffin? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know How, what what trivial things it takes to get our attention completely off the Lord and all wet, ready to give our whole selves to something that doesn't amount to much more than a blueberry muffin. I mean, you know, we give our time, our attention, our money, our loyalty, our love, our passion to what? And when we're just doing that over and over again, well, are we any different than what they were when it was, well, it was the Assyrians, oh, it's the Babylonians, the Egyptians, you know, and whatever else comes along. Comments and questions? you do if you were God? Put them away. Yeah. So, let's see what God thinks about this. 22 to 35.
3: Therefore, O Hulabah, thus says the Lord God, Behold, I will rouse your lovers against you from whom you were alienated, and I will bring them against you from every side the Babylonians and all the Chaldeans, Peacod and Shoah and Keo, and all the Assyrians with them, desirable young men, governors and officials, all of them officers and men of renown, all of them riding on horses. They will cover against you with weapons, chariots and wagons, and with the company of people. They will set themselves against you on every side with buckler and shield and helmet, and I will commit the judgment to them. And they will judge you according to their customs. I will set my jealousy against you, that you may deal with, so that they may deal with you in wrath. They will remove your nose and your ears, and your survivors will fall by the sword. They will take your sons and your daughters, and your survivors will be consumed by the fire. They will also strip you of your clothes and take away your beautiful jewels. Thus I will make you your lewdness and your hard you brought from the land of Egypt to cease from you, so you will not lift up your eyes to so them or remember Egypt anymore. For thus says the Lord God, Behold, I will give you into the hand of those whom you hate into the hand of those for whom you were alienated they will deal with you in hatred take take all your property and leave you naked and bare and the nakedness of your hollow trees will be uncovered both your lewdness and your hollow trees these things will be done to you because you have played the harlot with the nations because you have defiled yourself with with their idols you have walked in the way of your sister therefore i will give her cup into your hand thus is the lord god you will drink your sister's cup which is deep and wide you will Laughed at and held in derision, it contains much. You will be filled with drunkenness and sorrow, the cup of horror and desolation, the cup of your sister Samaria. You will drink it and drain it, then you will gnaw at its fragments and tear your breasts. For I have spoken, declares the Lord God. Therefore, thus says the Lord God, because you have forgotten me and cast me behind your back, bear now your, the punishment of your lewdness and your poverty.
0: Okay. What's God going to do? Punishment. <laughs> punishment. By the hand of whom? Her, lover lovers. Her ex-lovers. Um, the very nations that they trusted in, the nations they had relied on, the nations they had, you know, loved, uh, in quotation marks. Those are the ones that God is going to bring against them in every side. And he describes them very much in terms of the picture they had of them when they were so eager to go after them, like in verse 12 or verse uh, 14 and 15 and so forth. And uh, the Babylonians and all the Chaldeans, and I guess their allies, Pekod, Shoah, and Koah in 23, but maybe he mentions those allies mostly because of the meaning of those names. Pekod means um, punish, Shoah means cry for help, and koah means shriek. Mm -hmm. So, they're bringing their allies, punish, cry for help, and shriek. Uh, And sure enough, Mm -hmm. uh, I suspect they wanted to cry for help, and they were shrieking at the punishment that the Babylonians brought against them. You see in 24, the inventory of the equipment and weapons that are going to come against them in judgment. I mean, you just think about, what had... Aholabah thought of these lovers.
1: They are so cool.
0: Oh, they were just excited to death, and this is one of these cases where the dream metamorphoses into a nightmare. You know, these cool guys.
3: Um, it, and it's really interesting that it shows that uh, the stuff earlier that they uh, that they wanted to protect them is now going to destroy them
0: exactly you know they should have thought about that you know the same way that these weapons can be used in their favor you know it can be used against you if the relationship doesn't continue and uh, that's exactly what happened you know they couldn't trust these nations of course the nation certainly couldn't trust them (laughs) You know, and so they turned against each other, and God just uses these ex lovers as his agents of punishment. Exactly. And so, you know, what were they going to do? What were the enemies going to do to Aholaba? Uncover her
2: wickedness.
0: Yes, uncover her wickedness and strip her of her clothes and her jewelry and. All of her, um, you know, uh, self-exposure that she'd used at one point to her advantage is now being turned into a thing of shame. They're going to be exposed not for love, but for uh, just disgrace and destruction. God was going to bring them down, and they would never again think about Egypt and want to turn to them.
1: Remove the nose and the ears,
4: too.
0: Yeah. Take whatever they can. Yes. Verse 25. It's a pretty sad picture. But that's because God is so disgusted and fed up with them. They are worse than a whole lot. And look what he's done to them. I mean, God doesn't have any choice. He's got to punish these guys. I mean, they're just, you know, they switch lovers any quicker, you know it's going to give them whiplash, just trying to think back and forth between who they're with at the time.
4: <sighs>
0: it's ridiculous. But that's exactly, I mean, they, you think about their last few kings. They were back and forth. Babylon, Egypt, Babylon, Egypt, Babylon, Egypt. <laughs> you know, they couldn't make up their minds. They were one then the other and then back again and so forth. I mean, they have no faithfulness to anybody.
2: What's on the
0: On the yeah. So Josiah was good.
2: Josiah was good. Okay. He has the next okay, who's the next one.
0: Josiah. You know, and he he was after Egypt? Well he went to Egypt. He was, he was uh, imported by the Egyptians to Was Egypt.
2: he looking to Egypt?
0: No, he would have I don't know we probably pro Babylonian. And then who's the next one? Jolia Kim. Kim. And he's pro-Egyptian, then pro babylonian and then pro-Egyptian.
2: So the same kings would he? Yes,
0: like. yes, they yeah.
2: did. Was it only those three countries?
0: Uh, well, it's pretty Japan. much between Egypt and Babylon, because those are pretty much the only two there are right there. I mean, you know, Babylon and Egypt are the two superpowers of time. There is nobody there's else to talk to. Right, exactly.
2: Okay, yeah. picture again. I'm not good on geography. Where are Babylonian? Egypt is down here. Right? Egypt
0: is down to the south, the west, and Babylon to the northeast.
2: Okay, so southwest and northeast, and they're here.
0: Yeah. Okay. So, and and you know, he says, uh, if you do the same things that Ahola did, then you're going to drink her cup.
2: Mm-hmm. You know.
0: Does
2: that sound familiar? Yes. Hmm, sounds very really familiar. What did we learn about
0: that? Yeah. Undiluted. Yeah, Undiluted, Undiluted.
2: Right. cup of the wrath. You
0: must have been in chapter 14 <laughs> of Revelation. But, yeah. but you see, that's a common figure in the Old Testament. Yeah. There's a lot of Old Testament uh, passages that use that concept. And it's the idea of drinking God's wrath kind of like it was a venomous, venomous potion. And it's the same idea with Jesus saying, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. The cup of God's wrath, God's punishment. Um, my
3: uh, In the spring, we had uh, Brian Price come for a meeting, and he had a, uh, a lesson on uh, the cup and how God, uh, Jesus is praying with the cup pass for me. Since Jesus uh, was died for us, he drank our cup of wrath. But now, I uh, really like how it's saying here, that now uh, she's going to drink God's cup of wrath, because
0: she's filled, she's filled it up, so now she's going to drink it. That's exactly right. And when Jesus was in that situation to drink the cup of wrath, Passages like Ezekiel, Jeremiah, Isaiah, and so forth have been, already been written. All been a, there had already been a lot said in the Old Testament about this very idea that when God goes to punish someone, he describes it as this cup of wrath, God's righteous judgment that these nations drink. <laughs> and so when Jesus says, "You know, I've got this, I've got this cup I've got to drink of, He means the righteous judgment and wrath of God that we're supposed to drink because of our sins, but we don't have to because he grabbed it from us and drank it himself so that he took upon himself the punishment that our sins deserved. That's a really cool way to think about that. And, well, it's just, you know, the more more you think about that, the more it's just amazing what Jesus did for us. And it's one of those cases where you really do need to see these background passages.
2: And that cup, you make, make a lot Exactly. Of sense.
0: Because I always grew up hearing, well, this is like the cup of suffering. Well, it is a cup of suffering. But it means a whole lot more when you understand the suffering is the judgment and wrath of God you're suffering. And not just sort of some random pain. <laughs> <laughs> That's
2: good.
0: Now, in this particular case, look. uh, Verse 32, the cup is deep and wide. That means you've got a lot of wrath to drink. They'll be laughed at and and so forth. They'll be filled with drunkenness and sorrow. It's the cup of horror and desolation. And then in verse 34, how thoroughly will they drink it?
1: They're
0: going to drink.
1: it. And? Not the fragments of
2: the cup.
0: Which is to say that, well, I think it's the idea that they're going to try to squeeze out, if possible, the, the liquid out of the clay. They're going to gnaw and get every last possible drop and trace of the wrath of God.
1: I think they're going to stick their face in the water bowl and
0: yeah, drink fairly. Yeah, I mean, it's sort of like, reminds you of, um, I don't know, like a, a sick animal that, you know, Maybe is I, I like a cat or dog or something that drinks antifreeze that kills them, right? Pretty much any animal. Yeah. Okay. But but don't but do they like it? Mm-hmm. And aren't they apt to drink it, you know, greedily and get as much of it as they can? Just imagine an animal that's drinking something that's gonna that's killing it, but just can't get enough of it. You know, it's really kind of crazy. You know, why would you would you keep wanting to drink more of this that's killing you? But but the, they're so crazed. And maybe it's the idea God's punishing them with this, you know, almost a self-destructive urge to drain the cup and get every last drop of it. And even tearing their breasts off, which fits very well with the images that he used back in 3 and 8 and 21. They're reaping what they've sown. Um, so God is, God is definitely going to punish them very, very crudely. Because they've been very crude in their um, just total spurning of the love God showed toward them. Comments and questions?
2: What are the two references in 32 and 33 about the sister?
0: That's a hola. What do you mean?
2: Well, you will drink your sister's cup.
0: Yeah. A hola, Bob will drink the cup that a whole lot already drunk. Because they've been punished and sent into captivity. Now that same cup's coming back up around again. It's been filled up with God's wrath again and now they're going to drink the cup that their sister had drunk previously. So
1: it's like the cup of captivity,
0: yes. for example. Yes. No, As he says, the cup of horror and desolation. You know, the cup of your sister Samaria. the cup they drunk. It's been refilled and you get to drain it now.
1: But it's not like, Samaria already drank it once. So, Israel is not, or Judah is not taking the cup instead of. No. Yeah, that's the, that's
2: what I always wanted. Yeah,
0: no. Samaria's already drunk their cup and been punished for a long time. But now, Judah is going to have to drink the very same cup he's really trying to show by this this unfavorable comparison between Judah and Israel Judah would have looked down on Israel oh we're not like they are you know they they were bad
1: <laughs>
0: I mean God would say you're worse you know what are you doing looking down on them because Judah had their example to profit by and Judah was more went after more nations you know, committed more, you know, spiritual harlotry. And, you know, God just doesn't have a good word to say about Judah. More
3: question. Ask it. Um, what would be the fulfillment of Judah longing for the cup of breath?
0: Well, I think... Or,
3: I mean, trying to get every last drop the
0: I think it's the Well, maybe a couple things. I think basically it's the idea God is... Uh, that is going to make them suffer every last bit of punishment. But I don't know if this is the case, but you can think about some specific things Judah did that kept them from maybe getting off a little lighter. Like Jeremiah kept saying, Surrender, guys, surrender. And they refused to surrender. They held out to drink the very last drop. Maybe something like that even.
2: And
0: yet it's Judah
2: that Jesus comes through. Yeah.
0: That That shows you the grace of God. You
2: you would think Israel.
0: Or somebody else. Not that they were all that much better, but absolutely. I mean, you know, when you think about Jesus' ancestry. Wow. Think about the historical figure Judah. One of uh, Jacob's best sons? Not so
2: much.
0: What? Uh, You're
2: losing
0: your well, your well Mr. Mr. Judah in the Old Testament. Oh,
2: you didn't him. Yes. Well, yeah.
0: You remember him having this, uh, well, one night stand with what he thought was a prostitute that ended up being his ex-daughter-in-law that he had wronged. and uh, But guess what? In that one night uh, encounter, Tamar became pregnant with,
4: with
0: Perez and uh, Zira, right? I, oh
4: yeah, it was Zira, wasn't
0: it? I think it was. And guess what? That's the lineage of Jesus.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. D- look, look at something. Look at Matthew 1. The genealogy of Jesus. This is always fascinating. Oh, don't,
2: don't. Be quiet. Answer the phone. I want
0: to hear this. Sarah, it's right
1: there. Go ahead and answer it. Yeah, I'll stop. Hello? Oh, wait a moment, please. Who may I say is calling? Okay, hold on a second. Ariel, Laverne, Reinbolt.
3: Oh, cool.
2: Oh. Doyle's birthday
4: is same day my mine. Oh, that's wrong. Cool. Tell her hi from her. Yeah, tell her hi from all of us. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, for most oh, of yes. <laughs> us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: uh, Laverne is from the church in England. I remember that. Her husband died a few months ago of Lou Gehrig's disease. And I don't have a same
2: birthday
0: he knew that was going to be a good day.
4: Yeah,
0: my like Dad him. really appreciated him a Dora was a good man. I like <clears>
4: him <throat>
0: you. <clears throat> <laughs> no, I
2: carry on no. oh. my way. <laughs> yeah, well, I do think
0: i You can explain it, you. it to her. It's I not a real that. profound point. But just look through this genealogy of Jesus, yeah. starting in verse 2, and uh, notice <laughs> that <laughs> no, there people, are okay, some anyway. women that are mentioned it in the genealogy. Funny. Which women do you do you
4: notice? Tamar, Tamar,
0: Rahab,
2: Rahab,
0: Ruth, and Bathsheba. Bathsheba four women. <clears throat> Guess what? What is the moral background of those women, except for Ruth?
2: <laughs> okay, I'll try not to. Uh, no. Well, oh,
0: <laughs> well, what would you call her?
2: Well, that's true.
0: Unfaithful. Oh, uh, what
2: verse
0: yeah. is Bathsheba in? Six. She's, in six. she's in six. Well, actually, that, that, that's a not a good translation. Bathsheba's name is not in the original text. It's actually her of Uriah. She's mentioned, the wife of Uriah. But but that that's an over translation. Bathsheba's not really in the original text. But it's still a reference to her. Okay. It's definitely a reference to so her.
2: So Tamar is a harlot? Right,
0: I mean, I, mean, I, mean, I
2: mean,
0: she was unfaithful, yeah, we know, whatever you want to call somebody like that.
2: And Rahab, Rahab,
0: Rahab was, was the harlot. harlot. Ruth was not. Ruth was not.
2: Did she, did she just call
0: because it was the same? Yeah. Do you
4: remember? Um, yeah. I was really yeah. talking to <laughs> But Ruth had been a Moabitess who mm-hmm. Right. She was, she was. Not of the, you know, I mean,
3: she wasn't
0: Jewish to begin with. She was. Well, know. yes. And in fact, look at these others on that score. What about Tamar? She was a. Yeah, Canaanite. What about uh, um, Rahab? She was a
2: Canaanite.
0: Yeah. And what about. Her of Uriah. Uriah Uriah. Uriah was a Hittite. Now she may have well been a Jew, but he doesn't even mention her name. It's Her of Uriah, who was the Hittite. So you see Jesus, you know what, the emphasis on the women here, Jesus came to save sinners and Gentiles. You see, even by the references to those four women in an otherwise male-dominated genealogy. There's so much just in you know, you read a genealogy like this in Matthew and it's like, oh that's boring you know, let's skip on to the good part well actually this is part of the good part and I think there is real lesson in the fact that Jesus comes through people like Judah with tape I mean, at least if you're going to bring Jesus through Judah, bring it through Judah and his legitimate wife (laughs) it's not what he chose to do, of course you know, uh, a couple of those uh, boys didn't last very long, but uh, (laughs) But that's Genesis 38. If you don't know about all that, but maybe that was kind of an aside. That's a good aside. I like
1: that.
0: Yeah, and it's a cool thing to think through, and it ju- does mean I, mean. I guess we started that by just saying, you know, isn't it amazing that Jesus comes through Judah? Of course, you know, if God was going to, uh, you know, pick a sinless lineage for Jesus, He would have had a really hard time doing that. Uh, you know. But, but it's almost like at times he seems to pick the worst. And um, maybe he does sometimes intentionally. You know, I mean, there's surely got to be some lineage a little better than this one. Mm-hmm. Hope. I don't know.
4: Where's...
2: Judah was the fourth?
0: Yes, it
4: was
0: number four. There was a reason for that.
4: came
0: with the Yeah. I think so. Yeah, there was a reason for that, because the oldest was Reuben, who had gone into his father's concubines, yeah. and the next two were Simeon and Levi that had committed the atrocity with the Shechemites. Yeah. So there is a reason for that.
1: Because yeah. I, I remember that you know, wasn't, even the, wasn't even the firstborn.
0: It was Canaanites. Yes. The Canaanites. Yeah, Canaanites. Uh, Genesis 38, eight two. Yes.
2: She was wanting to know if that means they were huge since they were Canaanites because then they went in and were like grasshoppers in their sight. I'm not sure. Oh, uh, okay. That's what Tasha's The
0: saying. Canaanites, Tosh, that's a good question. The Canaanites, that's a broad term that refers to the people who dwell in the land of Canaan. Some of the Canaanites were giants. Not all of them were. Most of them weren't, but there were some Canaanites that were, particularly the descendants of Anak. But as far as we know, these were not a part of the giants. They were other Canaanites that were giants. Canaanites were really kind of a catch-all term. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Other things you want to say through 35?
3: It's interesting that um, in 16, God them so richly originally we saw, um, and even there and here, he takes away what they had done otherwise. With I mean, he gave them so much. He gave them expensive clothing. He gave them treasures. He gave them wealth. And in more places, they are stripped away. Um, if they don't, if they don't treat them right, he'll give them to somebody else. Good point. Which is what he does with the Jews. They didn't want the blessing. They refused it. So he went to the Gentiles.
0: That's true. Good point.
3: So the phrase
1: in 29, naked and bare, reminded me of chapter 16. Yes. Where you have this story about the, the baby squirming in its own blood. and you know.
0: Yeah, 16 and 23 obviously have a lot of parallels between them. They're a similar story kind of. Described a little bit differently, but a lot of similar images.
4: When you were talking about Judah looking around at Israel, it seems a lot like what people do today. Like, I'm better than them because they do this and this and this and I only do this.
0: <laughs> <laughs> How, why is it that we always see other people's sins more clearly? Just about us. Yeah.
4: I to say, I think it has something to do with a beam and a
0: boat. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> I agree. Good comments. Other comments and questions?
4: Back up, way back
2: up. I know you mentioned what Peacod, Shoah, and Koah mean. Do you are those cities?
0: I suspect they are like nations, but I can't tell you for sure. I
1: have a note that says they are tribes east of the Tigris River and part of the Babylonian Empire.
0: Okay, that's good.
1: And what did pecod mean? Punish. Punish? It was punishment. Punish,
2: cry for helping shriek.
0: Yeah. At least that's what my sources tell me I'm not uh, a Hebrew scholar.
2: So they would, speaking Hebrew, might... I mean, they would know what that meant. I mean, would that be like saying punish?
0: Yeah, I assume so.
2: Or is that like our names have meanings, that have
0: No, I Polish. assume they would have understood that, I think. Uh, because even if those were Aramaic names, Aramaic and Hebrew were very similar. I'm not sure that they were. I suspect those were usually I bet they, they translated or done whatever you have to, but don't quote me on that. I just found a question I need to ask
1: later. That's unrelated to our current topic. Okay.
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right. Other comments and questions on our current topic? So do you want to ask this question later, later, or... Later, later. Okay, all right. Uh, So how about 36 to 45?
2: Moreover, the Lord said to me, Son of man, will you judge Ahola and Aholabah? Then declare to them their abominations, for they have committed adultery, and blood is on their hands. Thus they have committed adultery with their idols, and even caused their sons, whom they bore to me, to pass through the fire to them as food. Again they have done this to me, they have defiled my sanctuary on the same day, and have profaned my sabbaths. For when they had slaughtered their children for their idols, they entered my sanctuary on the same day to profane it, and lo, thus they did within my house. Furthermore, they have even sent for men who have come from afar, to whom a messenger was sent, and lo, they came, from whom you bathed, painted your eyes, and decorated yourselves with ornament. and you sat on a splendid couch with a table arranged before it, on which you had set my incense and my oil. The sound of a carefree multitude was with her, and drunkards were brought from the wilderness with men of the common sort. And they put bracelets on the hands of the women, and beautiful crowns on their heads. Then I said concerning her, who was worn out by adulteries, Will they now commit adultery with her when she is thus? But they went into her as they would go into a harlot, as they went into Ahola and Aholaba, the lewd women. But they, righteous men, will judge them with the judgment of adulteresses and with the judgment of women who shed blood, because they are adulteresses, and the blood is on their hands.
0: Okay, so he's um, really uh, kind of grouping Ahola and Aholaba together here for this part of the uh, lesson. And uh, you can do that easily, because they were guilty of basically the same things. Uh, what were they doing that was so bad? An
4: adultery.
0: Yes, in general.
4: Sacrificing their children.
0: What was so bad about that?
1: (laughs) (laughs) They were apparently doing it as food. Yes. Among
0: other things. But there's something that makes this, obviously that's bad. There's something that makes this even worse. It
1: was idolatry, wasn't it? Yes. Whom they bore to me.
0: Yes. Not only were they sacrificing their children, but they were the Lord's children. They had borne them to the Lord. Because they, the Lord
2: was their father. Or their, hu-
0: I mean, their husband, the, yes. The, the,
2: the, the kid's father, I mean.
0: You know, it would be a horrible thing to sacrifice anybody else's kids. But it's but, like the
2: but, wife is sacrificing. Exactly.
0: It's like the wife taking the, the kids she'd borne to the husband and sacrificing them. I mean,. That's just that's pretty hard to imagine in our culture almost everything happens sooner or later. But you know, that that would boy, I mean, that would just be outrageous. It would be horrifying. And that's typical of what she was doing. She was taking all of the blessings God gave and destroying them and defiling them and desecrating them. Look at verse 38. What was she taking? happens. Yeah, and profaning yeah. them and the, the
2: sanctuary.
0: sanctuary and defiling it and uh, you know, doing this the end of verse 39, in my house! You know she had just taken all these things that God gave her and done anything despicable to them that she could do. So this is kind of a list of crimes And then, look at this, in verse 40. Furthermore, they've even sent for men who've come from afar, to whom a messenger was sent. And, lo, they came, for whom you bathed, painted your eyes, and decorated yourselves with ornaments. I always love this uh, kind of stuff, because I'm obviously not a very fashion-conscious guy, and uh, I'd be just as happy if there was a little less fashion painted on some people's uh, faces and, uh, you know, so forth and so on, you know, but this is, she's dolled herself up in whatever ways she thinks are pretty for these guys, you know, and you you sat on a splendid couch with a table arranged before it on which you'd set my incense and my oil. And this is the table that she's setting for these vagabonds she's invited in from who knows where. He said the sound of a carefree multitude was with her. And drunkards were brought from the wilderness with men of the common sort. They just invited in whatever tramp they could find to to share their table and, and bed with. Uh, and you know it's just so disgusting. And uh you know, they all went into her. And then, you know, they, uh, you know, God would punish her for this. So, he's just really trying to get them again to see how outrageous this is. Your comments and thoughts.
3: Exactly like um, Jezebel.
0: Yeah, it, paid it, it up.
3: Yeah, in 2 Kings um, where, where day he kills her, she's all dolled up, um, it's, it's just amazing that if you, almost a comparison between Jezebel and Judah, they've become a lot like her. in their acts, um, I mean wicked, very idolatrous, um, and all dolled up, if you want to put it that way, and both of them, in the same way, they go out before the dogs, they're just, they're eaten alive by the dogs, if you can call the other nations dogs, um, it's, a, it's the same, same picture, in Jezebel's turn, uh, Judah turned trying to
0: become a lot like desert. Yeah, there's probably some judgment in the very idea of having to doll ourselves up so superficially to try to attract attention. There's something kind of degrading just about that. Not that there's something bad about, you know, combing our hair and washing our face and whatever, but but when you just have to put on a bunch of artificial stuff just to enhance your external image, normally there's a corresponding neglect of the inner spiritual qualities I noticed
1: there's a on the same day that phrase is in there a couple of times it was interesting it's like okay now we're going to go sacrifice our kids and okay and oh wait we need to go to the temple now so that we're you know that we're okay so they're doing it on the same day with you know the same hands that have offered the children to the fire are now offering a sacrifice to God which I'm thinking didn't work out so well
0: uh, definitely not
2: and is he telling Ezekiel to judge them
0: um well I think in verse 45 he says but they righteous men will judge them with the judgment of adulteresses in other words any righteous person would judge them
2: I was looking at 36 uh,
0: yeah, judge them in the sense of declaring the judgments God has given. Yes, 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 this is this is that's to Ezekiel. Ezekiel. Son of man, will you judge a whole and a whole of bah, so the
2: Then declare
0: to them their abominations. Yes, yes, exactly. Yes. Yes. He's telling Ezekiel to judge them, that is, show them their Of questions
1: is there anything particular about the judgment of adulteresses and the judgment of women who shed blood other than like death by stoning i'm i'm always thinking of like the, the test for an unfaithful wife that
0: oh yeah that mm-hmm. always
1: comes up you know, <laughs> yeah. it's
0: kind of disgusting one. So, um yeah. yeah and maybe not just the punishment they deserve but the the you know let them bear the shame and disgrace of that verdict.
2: Okay, what's the test for that <laughs> <laughs> faithful?
1: If, if a man suspected that his wife had committed adultery, he, she was brought before the, the temple and the curses were read to her and written down on a piece of paper or something, which was then like burned up and stuck in a cup and then she had to drink this water. What would happen is either she would get sick, or she would be fine.
2: If she got sick, she'd... commit Yeah, her
0: stomach and her abdomen would swell, and her thigh would waste away.
2: Where is yeah. this? Yeah. This
0: is Numbers 522. <laughs> the water of bitterness.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I always remember it because the time I was like going... So where's the, the test for the unfaithful husband?
0: But yeah, there's... Uh, this, probably God's uh, God's concession to the hardness of their heart in the Old Testament caused him to tolerate several things including a rather gender specific definition of adultery. Adultery really in, in the Old Testament was a man taking a woman that belonged to another man. It wasn't a woman taking a man that belonged to another woman. Now that's certainly in the New Testament is clear that God's ideal involves both of those and polygamy is not allowed in the New Testament and so forth. But in the Old Testament God tolerated some of those things and really it's a very gender-specific definition of it but yeah, Numbers 5 is kind of... That is, that is bizarre, <laughs> <laughs> but if, I don't think it's related
4: to 23. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, it may not be, but it's a good passage.
4: <laughs>
0: it's a very interesting passage. What, what exactly does it
2: mean when it says the and stuff swell up? I guess she just all bloats out. I don't know. She's <laughs> <laughs> still sideways no, side away. <laughs> So
4: she bloats out her, but her sides going in the other direction. <laughs> 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 <Yeah. laughs> Oh dear, my resistance is <laughs> rot. if that helps any, yeah. so I'm not going to be able to hold the bloatedness. Yeah. Oh
2: yeah, I don't That's know exactly
0: dear. what all that looked like. I have never tried to see a visual on
2: this one. Do you I'm think, think I did? <laughs> <laughs> I have to visualize.
0: Well, yeah, I think it's intended to be visual, but I don't know exactly. <laughs> do you yet. think
4: you ever actually did
0: that? I assume. <laughs> well, I did that.
4: But it seems like you know that the Lord had to be behind that. because oh, of course! Normally, that wouldn't happen.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's a profound observation. That we
2: uh, we <laughs> 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 <Where's> my question? <class? laughs>
1: and there seems to be some idea that if everything is okay, she will then be free and conceive children. So, you know,
0: yeah, maybe there's something that, that renders her barren by this yeah.
1: swelling and blotting. <laughs> it, <laughs> it
0: may have to do with some female <laughs> disorder. Who knows? I'm really I gotta work on numbers more. That's probably one of my weakest old testament books. So.
2: That could be quite interesting.
0: <laughs> <laughs> probably no worse than <laughs> Ezekiel 23. But.
4: So if a man takes a married woman, I mean would have been that the women really didn't have a lot of say in it, but they're the ones who are punished for it. Well, I guess both are
0: punished. Well, yeah. I mean, the woman did have a... I mean, she was not allowed to go with some other man. um, Or or have an affair with some other man or whatever. Because she defiled herself. I mean, she...
4: But there, she was, there was a, to this. Yes. a very mutual yeah. type of. thing. Yeah.
0: I mean, you know, she was to be stoned if she was an adulteress.
1: They they distinguish from rape.
0: Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. Remember that deal where, oh, I don't know if they were in the country.
1: If a, if a yeah, if, she wouldn't if a man be is betrothed to a virgin and it happens in the country, then. He no. should be stoned, but not her, or something.
4: Because, because we out. assume that she couldn't have been, she
0: she could have been hurt if she did cry out <laughs> because there's nobody around. If she was in the city, and she then did. she could have cried out, and that the fact helped. that she didn't means she's guilty too. <laughs> <because laughs> it wasn't right. yeah. yeah. Oh. Well, I don't remember where that is. Do you remember where that is? Oh,
3: ask me. It's in
0: the law somewhere. Yeah, it's in the law somewhere. <laughs> 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 <I
3: remember that. laughs>
4: If i really That one wasn't quite as
2: um,
0: cool as the Matthew one. Probably not. Uh, all right, well, any other uh, irrelevant uh, topics that you'd like to introduce?
4: <laughs> now would be a good time for your questions. <laughs> 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 <Yeah>. <laughs> we can hold up on anything.
0: All right. How about 46
2: and 49? For thus says the Lord God, Bring up an assembly against them, and give them up to trouble and plunder. The assembly shall stone them with stones, and execute them with their swords. They shall slay their sons and their daughters, and burn their houses with fire. Thus I will cause lewdness to cease from the land, that all women may be taught not to practice your lewdness. They shall repay you for your lewdness, and you shall pay for your idolatrous sins. Then you shall know that I am the Lord God.
0: So, what's God going to do? He's
2: going
0: to punish them. Yeah. He's going to punish them pretty severely with people coming against them to do what? Stone them. Stone
2: them and cut them with swords.
0: Cut them with swords and and
2: burn their houses.
0: Yeah. And that is going to serve what function?
1: So that they will know that He is the Lord their
0: God. Yeah, that's one thing. Teach him who God is and a lesson for other people, a deterrent value of the punishment, and the sin will be punished as justice requires. So, all of that will be accomplished by this severe punishment.
2: So, whether those justice will be served, the sin others will see it.
0: What was the other one? And you'll know that you know I'm that the I'm Lord. What else in Ezekiel? <laughs> Pretty much everything comes down to that conclusion in this book. <laughs> Alright, other comments and questions? After reading about all the
4: stuff that I did, do you want the new questions?
0: should want them to be punished I think I think that's the appropriate feeling um, if we share God's passion for truth and righteousness and justice then we are outraged by this kind of behavior on the other hand we look at ourselves and probably I'll be outraged by ourselves sometimes too but yeah I mean this, this shouldn't go unpunished I mean you know the right thing to do is sin is receives God's wrath that's what's right other thoughts
4: I sometimes tend to get confused with consequences for sins and where our right to to punish sins, I mean, God's the one with the right to punish sins, but as far as human consequences for sins, how much of that is under our control, and how much do we turn the other cheek and let God do, deal with it himself?
0: Well, it's a good question. I mean, as far as taking revenge, obviously, that's totally in God's department. Um... It's probably not. We probably shouldn't think in terms of, of, we should like execute the judgment or the punishment. But there are situations in which we are a responsible authority, and as such, there's certain things we do for God in that, like the government executes punishment of evildoers as an agent of the Lord and should parents discipline and punish their children and properly so God wants them to do that Um, there are there are some things that are rights we have for example a woman or a man can divorce their mate if they are sexually unfaithful to them because that's not really a punishment Exactly, but it's certainly a consequence that could be very disagreeable to the to the mate that was put away. But they've got that right. So I mean, there'll be some consequences like that. I mean, you know, I think we would be within our rights to, uh, you know, if we own a business and somebody's stealing an employee's stealing from us, we can dismiss them. You know, we're not required to. You know,
4: Thank you. Okay to
0: uh, is that right?
4: Yeah, that's mm-hmm. partly where I was going, but it's also partly, um, I mean, a world situation. Um, you know, on, on this day, you think about what happened at the trade centers, and as a so-called Christian nation, our, I mean, mm-hmm. the religious wars that are going on, I mean, you know, what kinds of things should a Christian expect to do you know do you let things play out do you get involved in them i'm not talking about me going to war in particular but as christians i mean should we just say oh you know god's going to take care of all that and not worry about it at all
0: well uh, those are excellent questions and obviously those deal with a lot of different principles and brethren wouldn't all look at them the same way i do believe from Romans 13 particularly, that God institutes and authorizes government and he expects government to punish criminals. So I think there is no doubt that God wants some sort of a criminal justice system and some sort of a police system and that sort of thing because criminals inside a country should be punished. Now it seems to me that it's taking another step when a nation punishes um, other nations for their crimes I personally don't see that as being authorized biblically and so I would abstain from my involvement with with that but there would be other Christians who would look at that differently and would see the government's involvement in just wars as sort of being an extension of their uh, punishing criminals function so I think that I mean that's kind of the issue as I would see it. There's a lot of ramifications that, have a lot of other things to consider, but that that's how I would frame that issue. You
4: know, I I see us as a nation, nation being a more righteous nation than those in the Middle East, and you know they denounce our God and and what we've always stood for, and I you know often wondered what God really does expect of us.
0: What, what we'd see in the Bible, I think, in the New Testament particularly, is that we fight that with not carnal weapons, but with spiritual weapons. Okay. With the with the force of truth. And I don't know that God ever gives us the right to fight a religious war. That, you know, we're going to spread the gospel by, by force. Certainly, I don't think you see that in the New Testament. Christians never armed themselves to you know, punish these evil men who were persecuting the Christians, who were outlawing, preaching the name of Christ or whatever, they seem to have pretty peaceful resistance. But there still are, there's a lot in all that. I mean, that's, some of those things are looked at very differently. And it's one of those things where there's so many principles to consider. Sometimes it's difficult to get your uh, handle on it. Um, I, I think that it's, correct to say that while obviously I'm a pacifist I don't believe the government should should go to war I don't believe I can kill in war at least Um, I think if you were not a pacifist as many brethren are not you still could not authorize you could not say that there would be any right for a Christian to participate in anything other than a just war I don't think you could you could say for example that if there had been a Christian in Germany, they would have had the right to, you know, mass slaughter Jews in concentration camps, or to, you know, bulldoze nations over because of Hitler's thirst for power, or whatever. I think even if you say the government has some right to ex- exercise war, they don't have an unlimited right to do that. And so, you know, many brethren would, who would be on the pro-war side, would would limit it to just wars. And I think you'd have to do that if you were on that side. I personally think that not a Christian not going to war is more biblical. What's a just war? <laughs> I won't define it. But what Hitler did wasn't.
3: Defending
4: people's human rights, I guess they call them, don't
0: they? You know, Stopping aggression and things like that. The problem, and maybe you were trying to say this, James, I mean, the problem sometimes is, wow, how do we know?
4: Yeah, so which
1: one's the aggressor?
0: sometimes, sometimes these are lesser
1: of two
4: it. evils so yeah. you don't really you're you're fighting for the side of evil when you're fighting for either side
0: sometimes that's exactly right and sometimes we're not privy to all the information that might help us understand that more deeply as well uh, those are really good questions and obviously practical they're just not easy ones to deal with because there's so much involved in the looking at I would not be dogmatic in my stance. All right, anything else? All right, why don't we stop Ezekiel here then, and we'll work on 24 in two weeks, and we'll, Sarah, and ask your question.
1: Okay, in Spanish?
0: Do I have to speak this in Spanish? Uh-huh. No, 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 This
1: is a question about Spanish names. Uh, do I need to record this? you don't need to record it okay. at all. <laughs>